Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Girly Homesteader podcast. Today I am sharing with you my favorites from the month of January. And actually I have seven things to talk about today. So um, yes, I have a lot to share. Some things for the kitchen, some things for the garden, and then also one chicken related thing and one skincare related thing. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to season two of the Girly Homesteader podcast. I'm your host, Laura, a girly homesteader living in Xenia, Ohio, with my husband, chickens, bees, and garden. This is my second year homesteading, and in 2023, I am hoping to hone some of the skills I learned in 2022, specifically in the garden and kitchen. This podcast is meant to be a bridge between nature-centered homesteading and the more girly aspects of being a woman, like non-toxic skincare, makeup, and hair care. So if you're looking for a lifestyle podcast that also talks about random aspects of homestead life, like dirty chicken feet, being attacked by bees, monthly garden goals, food preservation ideas, and sourdough that doesn't always rise, you're in the right place and you've found a girlfriend in homesteading. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Grubly Farms, the brand of chicken food and treats I use for my own flock. What's always been important to me is making sure my girls get a non-soy protein source, but Grubly Farms takes it one step further by using food waste to raise the black soldier fly larvae that they then turn into insect-based protein. This is way more natural for chickens than the fish-based food I used to use. Grubly Farms is also higher in calcium than other feeds because it is made of insects, and I've definitely noticed stronger eggshells because of it. My girls go crazy for the crumbled food, but you can shop all their products with a link in the show notes, and you can get 25% off your first order by using the code GIRLYHOMESTEADER at checkout. All right, so the first things that I'm going to talk about are kind of just simple items, I guess you could say. Um, The first thing is the new water heater that we got for our chickens. So we have, well, I did record a specific podcast episode last year around this time about how we keep our chickens water from freezing. And I will link that in the show notes if you'd like to learn about that. But essentially we put our water into a black uh, container that has a hole at the top and then at the bottom we have poultry nipples and it works great during the summertime and the reason it is black is because that blocks sunlight so that algae doesn't grow in there but of course during winter time um, it will freeze so you have to heat it in some way um I was using a heater for a while and well just for last winter and then this winter it broke and of course it decided to break right before um, the really ridiculous cold that we had during Christmas time. So luckily though I ordered a new one and it came in time and I swear this water heater is so much better than the previous one I had. So the previous one, it was technically called a bird bath de-icer. 
And it, its purpose was to just keep the water warm enough so that it wouldn't freeze. But this time I ordered an aquarium heater and this thing, I swear to you, even if it is in the 20s at night, this heater keeps their water at 80 degrees. Now, you don't have to keep it at 80 degrees. You can adjust the temperature, which is what I like so much more about this unit compared to my old one. But the other thing that I like better is that it has kind of like a control panel, like a control on it that is attached to the cord. And it also monitors you or like it lets you monitor the temperature of the water and you know what it's doing, whether it's heating, whether it's just constant temperature. And it allows you, like I said, to change the temperature. I think the range is anywhere from like 60 degrees to like 94 or something. Um, so in reality, no, I probably don't need it to be 80 degrees, but in my mind, the warmer the water, um, the more likely the chickens will be to drink it during the winter time because it will be warm for them. Um, so I will link this water heater in the show notes. I just got it off of Amazon and it is again an aquarium heater. The other thing that I like about it too is that on that kind of control panel thing that it has, it will alert you if the water is low. Um, so as I said, our water container is not see-through. So I can't see the water level just if I'm walking by. So what I can do is I can just check on the controller real quick. And if obviously that error is popping up, I know that I need to fill the water. So that heater is absolutely fantastic. So the next two things I have are really quick things in the kitchen. So I bought both of these items at TJ Maxx and they were both like $4 each and I swear they are so, so awesome. The first one is by KitchenAid and it is a dough scraper or a bowl scraper. Um, I have been getting better <laughs> at doing sourdough. Um, I'm actually going to be talking about frozen sourdough pizza in this episode, but during all of this trial and error with baking bread, um, this dough scraper has been super, super helpful. And it's specifically a bowl scraper because as I've said, I am not gonna be hand kneading my dough. I just, I'm not gonna do that, sorry. So I do use my KitchenAid. And this plastic bowl scraper is made specifically to fit the inside of the KitchenAid mixer bowl. And it works super, super well at helping me, um, you know, take the dough off of the sides of my bowl and also to wiggle it off of my dough hook. And I really, really like it. Um, it also helps to make cleanup on the counter a lot easier too after I've formed my loaf. So I will link to that in the show notes along with the next little kitchen gadget that I have found. And this is a garlic peeler by OXO. Um, this thing, it's like a lime green kind of silicone tube sort of a thing. And all you do is you put your clove of garlic in it and then you roll it on the counter and the garlic skin peels right off. And it's wonderful because then your fingers don't get all garlicky smelling. Because what I would, you know, what I've always done is I would just take my knife and smash the garlic clove and then peel the the skin off. And yes, that's fine and it works, but when you want to maybe take that garlic clove and microplane it, you know, when it's in all these smashed up pieces, that's a lot harder to do. So this garlic peeler uh, takes the skin right off, keeps the clove intact, 
and your fingers don't smell like garlic. So I will link to that in the show notes too. So while we are on the topic of kitchen things, I'm going to share with you my recipe for frozen sourdough pizza crusts. Um, the actual um, recipe, like with the measurements and everything, will be in the show notes because I don't know it off the top of my head, but I will type that out for you. But basically the premise here is that you are par-baking your pizza crusts and then freezing them um, just plain. And then you will pull them out of the freezer on pizza night and put your sauce and toppings on. So I have been experimenting for a long, long time trying to make my sourdough pizza crust. And I wanted to do it in a way so that it was easy. Because for us, frozen pizza night, it's a weekly thing. And it always is the night where we just have the least amount of time. It is just a quick, easy meal. We pair it with a salad. And it's honestly the best part of our week. So we were using gluten-free frozen pizzas from Costco and they were fine but you know with learning this skill of sourdough I was excited to try and make my own crusts but I didn't want to have to get into the habit of making the dough fresh every single time we wanted to do it because as I said we use pizza night on the nights where we need to save time so I had tried a bunch of different things here. Um, I had tried making the dough in advance and then letting it rise all the way and then putting it in the freezer raw and then trying to, you know, get it to rise after I took it out of the freezer and then make the pizza. And it just never really worked. Um, after the dough would be frozen, no matter if it had risen or hadn't risen before it went in the freezer, the crust would always just be very kind of gummy and chewy, and um, it just wasn't good. And it was also very, very hard to bake because the nice thing about frozen pizzas is that because they're stiff, when you stick them in there, you can set it right on top of your oven rack and get a nice crispy crust. And that's what we loved about the previous frozen pizza that we would use. So finally, last week, I made my pizza dough and I made two batches, or I mean, I made two pizzas out of one batch and I just baked them at a time that was convenient for me. I baked them, but only partially. I par baked them and all I had to do was just spread the dough out onto some parchment on a baking sheet. And I baked them at 450 for just like six or so minutes. That's it. Um, you don't want the crust to be golden or anything like that. And then once the pizza crusts are baked, you put them in the freezer uncovered and allow them to freeze solid for about like three hours or so. And then after that, you wrap them in plastic and then foil. Um, I am trying to figure out a way that I can wrap these in a more sustainable way because, you know, because a pizza is so big, um, that's a lot of plastic wrap and a lot of foil. And so I am trying to find like something that's reusable that I could keep them in, but I haven't done that yet. So if you have any ideas, let me know. Um, because this pizza is at least like a 12 inch pizza. So that's like a very big bag or a very big container that I'd have to find. But anyways, um, these pizzas are fantastic because you get all of the flavor of the sourdough 
you get all of the fluffiness, the beautiful thick, not like super thick uh, crust, but obviously, you know, you could change the recipe depending on how, um, how thick or thin you like your pizza. Because we like thin-ish crust, but it is nice with the sourdough because it does have such good flavor. Um, to have it a little bit thicker than like the previous thin crust pizzas we were eating. Um, so the recipe that I'm going to have in the show notes, it will be to make two pizzas. And so keep that in mind. It's about a 12 inch pizza and the dough is, I don't know, depending on how well you can spread it out. Um, it'll be kind of like not cracker sort of texture, but kind of in between, I don't know, I guess like a hand tossed texture, I would say. Um, and as I said, all you have to do on pizza night is take out your pizza crust, immediately top it with your toppings, so like your sauce, your cheese, whatever, and then bake it at 450 for about 12 minutes and it is done. And it holds its shape. It's not like a super floppy pizza. Um, it works just fine being baked right on the oven rack. And I am so, so happy <laughs> with this pizza crust recipe. So, so happy. So I will have all of the exact measurements in the show notes. And then after the break, I'm going to get into the next three things that I have to talk about for the month of January. All right, so I have three things to talk about left, and the first one is skincare related. So all the way back at the beginning of this podcast, I did an episode specifically about winter skincare, and I did do another episode recently about winter skincare, and I mentioned the topic of oil cleansing in both of those episodes. And I want to talk about it again just because I swear to you, Oil cleansing is about the only thing that I can use right now during winter time that actually lets my skin feel really, really good. Because um, I was getting to the point where I was having to use like way too much facial oil during the day to make sure that I was hydrated. And no matter how I would cleanse or like what cleanser I would use, I would wake up with really, really dry, flaky skin in the morning. Um, and so I decided to do an experiment here at the beginning of January. I thought, okay, I'm only going to oil cleanse. I'm going to be very strict about it. I'm going to only oil cleanse. And just a refresher, if you don't know what oil cleansing is, it is basically massaging a carrier oil like avocado or apricot kernel oil onto your face. And you just massage it gently. And what that does is the oil helps to break down the oil and the makeup and sunscreen and all of that stuff on your face. And then the way you remove it is with a very soft, wet washcloth. And it does offer a little bit of exfoliation, but it doesn't strip anything from your skin because there are no surfactants because you're not using a true cleanser. Now, I was just using my favorite carrier oil, which is avocado oil, or I would use apricot kernel oil. Both of those are very, very hydrating. Um, but I did try a new product to use, and I used a cleansing balm. Um, I tried the Lotus Glow Cleansing Balm by Beauty Counter. And I don't know how in the world this works, because there are no surfactants or emulsifiers or anything in it. But somehow, 
My face feels like it has less of a residue on it after I use that balm cleanser versus my regular carrier oils. I still really haven't figured out why that is, um, but I think that it is much more enjoyable to use because of that. Um, because I will say, oil cleansing, no matter what you do, like no matter what product you use, it's not going to give you the super squeaky clean feeling, but that's the point because it's not stripping anything from your skin. But I will say that this balm cleanser, it has, I don't know, just like this magical way of not really leaving as much of a residue. And what I mean by that is that my water-based um, skincare products that I apply after cleansing they seem to absorb better into my skin after using that cleansing balm by Beauty Counter versus um, just a carrier oil. So I will put a link to the cleansing balm in the show notes. Um, and of course, you can always text me um, and I'll put my number in the show notes too. You can text me and I can send you a sample of it as well. And the other nice thing about this balm is that it kind of does double duty. You can either use it for cleansing or if you are feeling especially dry, you can even use it on your skin as a balm to keep you nice and hydrated overnight. So I'm a big, big fan of this product and I wish I would have tried it sooner. It's been around forever. And it's one of like Beauty Counter's most best-selling products, but I was just digging my feet in because I, you know, I thought I knew what oil cleansing was like. I had never tried a balm before, um, but I will say it's a lot more enjoyable for me. So the next two things I'm going to talk about are related to the garden. So the first thing that I want to mention, or the first brand, I guess you could say, is Johnny's Selected Seeds. So I have done all of my seed shopping for the year, hopefully the whole year, <laughs> we will see. Um, and I got all of my seeds from Johnny's. I have ordered from them before in the past, but it was never like my entire order. And I gotta be honest with you, the reason I like them so much is because of all of the information that they have on their website. So much information about specific varieties of things, um, like what will work best in your climate, like what beet, you know, develops faster or maybe is better for this or for that. Their selection is just absolutely wonderful. Um, just really, really wonderful. And I also like the fact that I'm able to order some of my seeds in larger sizes too. That way I don't have just multiple packets of the same thing. Cause like for me, we go through lots of greens and I know that I'm also going to be going through lots of beet and radish seeds too. And so instead of buying just individual packets of those seeds, I was able to order like quarters of an ounce or an ounce of seeds. And so I don't have to pay like as much for just buying multiple packets, if that makes sense. Um, Johnny's Seeds, I have heard from other people, and yes, if you do your research, they are a little bit more expensive, but honestly, for me, just the wealth of knowledge that they have about their varieties is totally worth it. And I will say their customer service is really good. Um, so I placed my seed order and I... <laughs> Because I mean, buying your seeds, you know, you gotta do a lot of thinking. So essentially I had my cart pulled up on my computer for a few days and I would go back to it every day just to make sure I didn't want to, you know, add something else or take something away. 
And so during that time of me deliberating and going back and forth, the variety of cucumbers that I wanted, um, they went out of stock. But it didn't tell me that when I placed my order. So I placed my order, and then the day after, I got an email from Johnny's saying, I'm sorry, but one of the seeds that you ordered is out of stock. But what they did, though, is they sent me a coupon code to be able to get free shipping to choose something else. And so I did. I chose a different variety of cucumbers, and I added some more herb seeds on, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was just a very good experience with them. Um, so I will link to Johnny's Selected Seeds in the show notes. You've probably purchased from them before or you've heard of them at least. Their catalog is also beautiful and it was very helpful for me to be able to just sit on the couch, look through the pictures and just kind of, I don't know, just view all of the varieties in a more relaxing way because I know that once I got to my computer, it almost felt like, all right, it's go time. And it was a little bit more intimidating going through all of the varieties. Um, so yeah, I just definitely think that Johnny's Selected Seeds is a great place to buy from. So the last thing that I want to talk about today is my Aero Garden. So I have mentioned these quite a few times on the podcast, but I haven't done like a full in-depth review of them. And I don't want to do that just yet because I haven't officially started using it for my seed starting process. But what I do want to say though, so far is that using it to have fresh greens during the winter time has been really, really nice. Um, Aero Garden, they make specific seed starting inserts for their gardens, and it allows you to get more plantings in one garden um, than you normally can. So like the one that I bought, it's the Aero Garden Slim model, and normally you can fit six plants in there. But this seed starting insert allows you to put 23 little seedlings. And because my point was to do baby greens, I figured that I'd be able to keep harvesting from it, even with them tightly packed in there, and just have it cut and come again and regrow. And I will say that is definitely the case. Now, um, is it enough greens like to compete with how much we would normally eat like during spring or fall or summer? No, it's definitely not. So I still am buying head lettuce from the grocery store to supplement it. Um, but it is nice though, just to have these greens growing in the basement and I can harvest from the garden like pretty much once a week now that they are really up and going. Um, so that's pretty cool. So in there, I have my own seeds, um, like I have mustards, arugula, and some little butter lettuces and things like that. So, so far I'm definitely very impressed with the Aero Gardens. Um, now, I definitely think you can tell that the greens have just more of like a, I don't want to say sterile taste, but you can just tell that they were grown like hydroponically, like they don't have as much of a depth of flavor as something that's actually been out in the sunlight and everything. But of course here in Ohio, you know, you just can't do that outside right now. So I am very, very happy with my Aero Gardens. So once um, I do get into February, when I am actually gonna be starting seeds, I will be able to experiment with them more um, for that use. And then hopefully once that is done, I will feel that I can do like a full on review of the Aero Gardens. And that probably will be one big podcast episode just about that. But for now, I'm definitely happy with them for growing greens in my basement <laughs> during the dead of winter. 
So just to recap here, I talked about that new water heater that we have for our chicken water. I also talked about the um, dough scraper from KitchenAid, the OXO garlic peeler, my recipe for frozen sourdough pizza, and then I talked about oil cleansing and the uh, Lotus Glow Cleansing Balm by Beauty Counter. And then I mentioned Johnny's Selected Seeds, just as a brand in general, because they're wonderful. And then finally, the Aero Garden. So links to all of those things will be in the show notes. And next week, we are going to be getting into my goals for the month of February. And I am ecstatic because that means I am finally going to be starting some seeds that will eventually get moved out into the garden in spring. So thank you for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Girly Homesteader podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you want to share more in my journey, follow me on Instagram at the Girly Homesteader.